and welcome back to the Medical Device Marketing Podcast. Today I'm joined by Oscar and we're going to be talking about all things email automation. Hi Oscar. Hey Becca, how you doing? Good. So um, before we get started, you've got quite a background in email automation. I thought it'd be good to kind of let everyone listening know why we're listening to you today talking about email automation. Yeah, sure. So I spent about six years in medical device marketing and the last three years specifically, I was leading a team who focused on outbound marketing automations. So all of that lead gen trying to, you know, just make sure we're getting maximizing all the great content we make, just getting out as many people as possible. Um, So that's something I spent the last three years doing and super passionate about it. I'm a bit of a tech geek myself. So it was exciting for me to get to learn and dig into that and it's quite it's quite a fun um sector of our industry that i I don't think too many people know about or or too many people have expertise in so it's something i'm super passionate about definitely a champion of it yeah great and i think you've touched on something there about people might not know what it is so for anybody listening that has i'm sure they know what an email is but if they don't know what email automation is how would you sort of define that yeah i define Automations in general, because we're only talking about email automations, but automation as a broader term is a series of rules that you set up based off triggers that, um, you know, are certain inputs that allow certain actions to happen. So I typically like to think of it of a if this, then that. So if someone opens an email, then you send them a follow up. If someone doesn't open an email, then you send them a secondary follow up. So things like this, if this happens, then this happens afterwards. And the automation is about setting those rules and workflows in place that will um, work behind the scenes for you. So you don't have to do it. So there's also data hygiene automations. For example, if if someone hasn't interacted with any of our communications for um, a, a set period of time, then you can archive them. Um, or potentially uh, an automation that if we don't have any email address for them or a contact number for them, um, we can reach out and try and get that. So those are kind of hygiene. Or, you know, if someone, if their name isn't properly capitalized, we can set up an automation to go and do that on our behalf so you don't have to manually do it. But today, for all intents and purposes, we're just talking about email automations and communicate, sending our marketing communications externally to our prospects. The um, data hygiene one, though, I know we're not talking about that today, must save so much time because, um, as you know, Oscar, I'm a bit of a stickler for like mm. things not matching. So it always grinds me when I see email lists where some people are like doctor, full stop, surname, doctor, no full stop. Like it just hurts my heart. So to know that like data, there is a soft way out there that it could be happening automatically is, yeah, makes me happy. But um, yes, getting back to the actual topic at hand, email automation, what are sort of the main ways that we could be doing email automation, especially for medical devices? In my head, I typically break it down into four different type of outbound automations. So first, Mm -hmm. a drip campaign. So that's something that most people are quite used to, and you probably receive them all day long. You don't realize you're getting them um, if they're done incorrectly or poorly. So that would be, for example, a let's say a, a four week long campaign where the the first time anyone ends up on your email list they might receive a welcome F- two three weeks later they might receive a, a follow-up three weeks after three weeks into this they might receive you know a discount code and then the fourth week they might receive you know an upcoming prize giveaway or something like that um so that's typically um a drip campaign that has that's just set on predefined timelines so mm-hmm. you can choose that yourself whether you want to go out every other day every week or once a month but there, there's nothing that the person does 
to interact with that other than entering that automation. Secondly, uh, I call them kind of event-based automations. So these are things that are based on specific triggers that your customer will do. So for example, they might view a certain web page um, and you might set that web page on your website as a high value web page. Because it's, you know, if they, if they land on a, uh, I don't know, an, an about us web page, that's an interesting thing, but it's not as high value a lead gen score as if they land on a services page or a contact mm-hmm. page. So those are um, triggers that once they land on that page, it, they will begin a secondary automation and that will send them maybe a, uh, an email from one of your sales personnel with a, can- a link to their calendar or something like that, asking them, you know, oh, did you find everything you wanted? How was, you know, I, I saw you I saw you were looking at our services. Was it all clear? Something like that. So these are all based off um, something that the person has done. Then you have um, behavioral tr- triggers. So these are things like, you know, potentially if someone is constantly viewing one type of content so that maybe you sell an orthopedic device and they're constantly looking at any content to do with the knee or something, then you can start to cater your specific, your, your long drip campaigns. You can have specific parts of those emails that sub in whatever that person's behaviorally been notifying you that they're interested in. So they still, these are campaign, these are automations within automations and customization mm-hmm. within automations. Um, so that person will still get the same three week long campaign, but theirs is now customized with things that their behavior tells you they like, or potentially we then cater the delivery of when we deliver that to them based on their behavior. Maybe we notice that they only ever open emails on Monday mornings from us. So then we, we change our automations to reach them then. So it's just all about maximizing our presence in their inbox for all the good work we do. We want to make sure people read it. Um, and then the final one are kind of transactional automations. And, and I think these are again, similar to trigger based, but these are very um, much, much simpler and a bit more, um, you know, bureaucratic that when someone purchases something, you want to send them just a receipt or a confirmation or yeah. a, um, a well done. Thanks for buying. Welcome to the club, these kind of things. Um, so those are the four ones I, I typically break it down to. Uh, and there are some, some huge benefits of each and, and some, you know, some pitfalls as well to, to implementing those as you go. Yeah. And we can definitely go into the benefits now in a sec, but um, I think most people are aware of transactional automation because we get them every day. Like every time you buy something on Amazon, you do get your receipt and your thank you and all that. Um, but I think the, the drip and event and behavioral ones are stuff that people don't utilize anywhere near enough. Um, and it sounds like you can make it super personalized, which is a huge advantage gaining your inbox sort of getting noticed in your inbox yeah i think the personalization thing is what really sets us apart right so um the, the goal is making this seem as personal to that person as possible we're we're actually doing real minimal work your end uh, or at least yeah. heavy lifting all the work to the very front of you setting up this campaign and then firing and forgetting and letting it go so for example we're all familiar with the you know the high percentage first name percentage tag so that anyone that reads that you know if your database is up accurate up to date and you know hopefully your data hygiene is good that person will, will theoretically think you sent that email straight to them in in reality people don't you know we're quite sad most people are quite tech savvy nowadays they realize those emails aren't actually written by you know manually to them but you can you can take that a bit further and you can start depending on how good your data is on your customers you can utilize some really strong personalization tags like city, for example. Um, so, hey, first name. Um, I just noticed that you're in brackets city. I love that place. You know, um, how we're, we're heading there soon for a conference. Where, you know, where's the best burger town in Shopshire? 
uh, shopping town or something like that. Suddenly that seems like it's a bit more of a personal email. Whereas actually, you know, that's, again, you've just used the city personalization there. Um, you can also like, I quite like using personal day of day of delivery or time of delivery personalization tags. So instead of just hi, first name, you could do um, time of send first name. So essentially what that would look like is when, if the email was delivered to them in the morning, it would say, good morning, Becca. Or if it's sent in the afternoon, mm-hmm. good afternoon, Becca, or in the evening, good evening, Becca. You know, we don't often see good evenings from automated. No, that's a really nice one. Yeah, that, that's one I use quite a bit. And I think for something that's so, so simple, it just, it gives a, an added layer of illusion that you are actually automating and personalizing this. Yeah. Person when, when in essence, you're not really. But yeah, there's a ton of those. Um, and actually, if you read the article, at the bottom of the article, there's there's uh, some good tips and tricks to the best kind of bang for your buck personalization tags that make it look like you're, uh, you're really, really speaking to that person individually. Yeah, and that article that you're referring to is our how to use email automation that will be on our knowledge hub on our website if you want to do go over there and read all of that there's there's loads more information than what we're talking about here um but one of the things that you touched on there that i wanted to talk about was sort of like the the fact that you can make it so personal um they're really you're not really limited are you by what you could personalize like as long as you've collected the data it could be you could you could make the field whatever you wanted it to be so hashtag or you put brackets it could be like brackets favorite color if you had it but so you you really aren't limited at all are you that's exactly that's exactly it and this is where having someone who's really good at collecting and, and updating crm data is is where you need it you, you can't you know we always talk about the marketing people that we typically think of marketing people as the content makers and drivers but actually you know more and more as, as the industry is moving on i'm seeing them more kind of like quite tech enthusiasts as well and having someone that can both be quite creative in one hand uh, and also quite technical and being able to understand how to adapt to CRM to receive specific data that it probably wasn't specifically set up to do so setting up your own API fields is exactly right for that so you know if you know that if during your conversations you know that this person's favorite for example football team is Man United you can put that in a your own custom field and then Mm -hmm. you can ask them in the email how did football team get on last week suddenly you know that looks like you actually care and you genuinely care about this person Um, so these are, you know, these are things that I think um, is good. There are there are ways to safeguard this again. Um, so this is a bit of a side chat, but like, so on my link, quite a lot of these personalizations come through LinkedIn, right? Um, and I've deliberately capitalized my name on LinkedIn so that if anyone sends me an email and my name is Hi Oscar, it looks like they're shouting at me in all capitals, then I know that's an automated email. And I do, I do tend to pay it less attention than I would if it comes in high lowercase Oscar because then I do know that someone's actually um you know read written that manually and they've they've at least delete taken the time to delete out my capitalized name so that's just a little way you know kind of since I've peeked behind the curtain of automation I now kind of know ways to guard yourself against it so I just thought as an interesting little tidbit as well that's interesting though because you know, you're guarding yourself against or email automation, but actually, you know, there's real value for customers getting an automated email because going back to like caring about them, adding in their favorite football team and their color, the care happened at a different point. It happened when you were collecting it versus when you write it. So I think that's something that's really interesting as well. So, you know, a good email, automated email shouldn't make you feel like, oh, it's another automated email because when they, let's take you on LinkedIn, which love the fact that you've put your name in capital so you can spot this. If they were doing their, if people were doing their job right or doing it correctly, when they added you to the CRM, they would have taken you lowercase right. then. 
which means like they've shown the same level of care, but they've still given you an automated email. And I think that's yeah. different, isn't it? So yeah, so that yeah, and it, you've reminded me there of a little bit. I, I saw an, an email come in once, which really made me chuckle, and it was it literally said hi first name. Um, and I was like, oh, because I think we've all made that error. Anyone that's ever dealt with automation has made an error like that in there at least once. Yeah. Um, it said, hi, first name. And then the second line, it said, kidding. I know I know it's Oscar. Um, just thought I'd catch you out with that one. And I just thought that was, again, that was obviously an automated email. Um, yeah. but they, they just played on the, they subverted the expectation there. And that, you know, that's stuck out in my mind for about two years now. That's really interesting, actually, that they did that. And I think we kind of have swayed into benefits and pitfalls of, of um, email automation. but what do you think are the main benefits you know for for anyone that's thinking about you know doing this yeah for sure well the first one first and foremost is just uh efficiency and scale so you know you could spend i don't know how long it would typically take you to write an email maybe you know two three minutes to write you know a good email Um, a lot longer than that oscar maybe i'm slow (laughs) uh fair, fair enough uh well with all these ai tools now it, it's, it's rapid we're speeding up um but yeah it, no, no matter how long it takes you 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 could still only do one at a time right yeah. theoretically here you you write one email you write one campaign let's say and that campaign could consist of three to upwards of i don't know 100 emails um that will take you that's 100 emails to write but once you automate that that functionally could go out forever to mm. functionally infinite people um Whereas if you're just doing it manually, like, you know, yes, it does seem like a, a a lot when you first initially set up that massive campaign, it will take you a long time to get it all up. But if you had to do that for every single prospect, every single time, it's just a no brainer. Um, but also just that, like the idea of being able to schedule it and send it at times that are accurate and fortunate, like, you know, we're a global, you know, economy now. And certainly a lot of our customers aren't necessarily in the UK or necessarily in our, our time zone. So it's, you know, you want to schedule things that are not just efficient for you, convenient for you but convenient for your customers as well yeah. so you don't want your customers receiving an email in their inbox at i don't know nine nine o'clock at night or or you know on a sunday or something like this um so you typically want to be able to schedule it for the right time and then you want to take that a step further and schedule it for times that we know they like checking their inbox um just to make it more convenient for them and also you know we can we're using automation you can really improve conversion rates and stuff so you know you can a b test things which people don't know what that means you if you're if you're struggling with open rates um that's typically one or two things you're either not saying it's the right people or your subject lines aren't good enough that's typically why people don't open emails right um Mm. or thirdly potentially i guess your your domain name is in jeopardy um through you know um poor automation in the past but typically those are the things if you aren't sure what a good subject line is you can try out a couple of you can segment your market in half try out a couple of good opening sentences in your subject line on one um and and a different a different variation in the second one and whichever ones people open the most you suddenly start to you know refine and perfect your subject lines so that's one thing that you know is very hard to do manually if you're constantly trying to keep track of what your best opening lines are and what your best subject lines are you're never really going to be able to do that without the data so that's another good thing and you know just basically being able to just be consistent scale when you first start a medical device company you might have an email list of you know uh, under 100 people which you know that that's feasibly you probably could manually email all those people and manually stay in touch and i probably would recommend doing at the level but anything over 100 is just you're going to forget things you're going to miss things you're going to miss typos and the good thing about automating these things is that if you catch a typo in an email 
um, once it's, you know, once you've sent it, if you keep sending that email, you're going to have to change every single one. Whereas if you set up an automation well, you need to check, catch that typo once or, you know, yeah. maybe you, you want to update your automation to, you know, mention the new product you're launching or something like this. You only have to update that base automation and that goes out to everybody. So I think it's just such an, an efficient way to, to work really. I can't see why anyone wouldn't want to work that way. Yeah, and I also love all things that give you data. And like what I'm hearing when you talk about automation is that essentially just gives you an opportunity to check what's working, like doing the A-B testing. You're you're sending emails out. You can change the times that you're sending them. And yes, okay, you can do that manually, but also that just takes so much time. And where the real value is, is having a marketer look at all that data and go, actually, this is the best time. We should update our automation for this. But you don't have the time to do that sitting down and analyzing if you're manually sending out the emails. So I think that's the biggest benefit for me that, you know, you'll get to save time to put that time to what matters most, which is optimizing the campaign. Whereas sending the emails manually is not, doesn't allow you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, data wise as well, we can look at people's interests and clicks and click rates and stuff. And so, you know, if your click, if your open rates are low, typically like i said you either send it to the wrong people or you put the wrong subject line um mm. but then if if they click and they open if they open it up but then they're they're not clicking through on any of the links you've sent them or they're not interacting any further then that's giving you good data that's saying that you know your content probably isn't good enough um or your calls to action aren't strong enough or they're confusing or something along these lines um so that's an, another good piece of data you get that you don't get if you send stuff out manually and then on top of that as well, once people do click through, you don't typically know where they've gone to. Whereas once most automation software allows you to embed pixels that can track where people and what parts of websites people are landing on. And that allows you to open up further, you know, secondary tier automations where once they've clicked through to a certain article, you know, they're suddenly interested on this. Um, and you can then start catering further things down the line. So it's all about just giving good cut. People think automation can be quite, you know, and tracking things can be quite shady. And I, I think it's actually just doing due diligence on your customers, knowing what they like, knowing what they're interested in and sending them more of it. You don't want to send them stuff that they don't want to receive. And you don't know what they want to receive unless you get the data on it. That's the thing about marketing is that you get all this data and you can use all this data and I think that's great. Um, so there's obviously a lot of different places that lots of different companies and different platforms that offer automation. And, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you're probably sold on doing automation. That's great. But where, which one do they pick? Where do they go? How do they look at picking the right automation software? Yeah, there's so many nowadays. Like back back in the day, there was one or two, but you know, mm. off the top of my head, you've got Mailchimp, you've got HubSpot, Active Campaign, Marketo, things like this. Um, Herefish. There are there are so many good tools out there, um, and that's just within um, you know email automations. You've also got things like Zapier and If This Then That, which are more for automations on your desktop and linking your own pieces of software together. But I think the, the main thing is basically understanding what you're trying to achieve first and, you know, set, set yourself a good task list of, you know, what are your goals, what are you trying to achieve um, and then start shopping around. You know, all of these um, softwares will provide a free trial. They'll provide demos, jump on board, do that. The one thing I would say is be very uh, cautious. Obviously, typically software salespeople will um, give the impression that their software can do everything. Um, and that's just typically not the case. They all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. They're all good software. It's just, are they good for you and good for your yeah. goals? Um, I think the biggest downfall that I've had in my past is getting excited by the potential of what they say their software can do 
signing up for it, locking myself into a 12 month contract. Um, and then realizing that, you know, it, it either doesn't fit your specific workflow. So then you have to make a sacrifice to, are we going to change our workflow? Um, and actually is changing your workflow cheaper and more effective than just changing software. You know, sometimes there's big decisions to be made there or is, um, you know, is it even compatible? Can it even integrate with your current software? So you need to look at your current tech stack. Most software nowadays claim to integrate with all other software out there, but in reality, that's just not the case. So speak to people that are currently using the same tech stack as you. Um, there are good companies out there that compare tech stacks because there's no good if you've bought a um, all singing, all dancing piece of automation software, but it can't see or read or speak to your website because then you're losing one of the most basic and the strongest functions of automation is knowing what people what people are viewing on on your website and who's viewing that there Um, so and then i think the the final consideration is scalability as well so if you sit down and you know it might be most of these pieces of automation software are really really affordable at the you know 100 use um 100 um customer mark but if you have an email list of fifty thousand people um these are very very expensive options so sometimes i think it's better to you know only import across the people that you, you know are your hot prospects or your target list. Don't import your entire database across into these because then it gets really, really expensive. Yeah, and apologies for the um, Podimos mascot interrupting you while you were talking there. She started barking as you talked about sales software, people selling you things that aren't accurate. So she's obviously I'm just, yeah. angry about it too. Exactly, she's been there. <laughs> the other thing that you mentioned though that I just wanted to clarify is a tech stack. If you don't know what a tech stack is because... I don't think I do. What is it? Yeah, sorry. So a tech stack is just all of the pieces of software your company use in your day-to-day activities. It mm-hmm. would be, you know, what email client do you use? Right. What, uh, what web browser do you use? What click-to-dial app do you use? Um, you know, what web, you know, what CRM do you use? What CMS do you use to run your website? Um, all of these need... All of your tech. Right. All of your tech, yeah. All of these need to be able to communicate to each other for automation to be as effective as it can be, because you want to be able to automate emails to go out through your email client server, because that's what, you know, you and your salespeople are using every day. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to have them send their personal, you know, their, their manual emails through Outlook, and then they have to log on to something, you know, via MailChimp, for example, and they have to learn MailChimp, and you probably don't want to give access to MailChimp to your entire sales team. Um, so yeah, you want to make sure that it, it integrates. You want to make sure that it can, you know, if you are calling straight from CRMs that your CRMs linked to your click to dial software. So there's, there's, there's a lot of um, things here and, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it will just, if they don't speak to each other, you'll probably have to pay an external software company to build a bridge, uh, an API that will, you know, allow them to communicate because otherwise you're just not getting the, the best bang for your buck. Yeah, but then again, that goes back into like, you know, the idea of doing automation is that it's easy and it works for you. So then if you have to get someone to come in and build bridges between the automation, then it kind of begins to take away that some of that ease. So it is better to just find a platform that works for you originally. And, the you know, I think the thing that you said there that resonated with me the most was it's knowing what you needed to do. Um, and, it, you know, you go into like a sales expo or any of the pictures and they really can sell you on everything like they get so excited about what their tech does but it doesn't matter if it's all singing and dancing if it doesn't do what you need so yeah yeah, I think it's it's exactly that isn't it um so you've done a whole article on this that gives away sort of like additional tips and best practices and all of that um so if anyone needs any of those I think you know that would be the best place to go 
So what would you say are the key takeaways for or action points that medical device marketers should remember when using email automation? Yeah, I think um, definitely have a plan to begin with. Like, you know, you're, you've got to have a strategy for when and where and why you're, you're automating out to these people. Because if you're just doing it for volume and noise and to, I guess, um, to stay in, in the current zeitgeist, then it's probably not the best use of automation. You want to be automating mm-hmm. times that make sense. You know, has someone downloaded a white paper from your website? That's a per- that's a great you know indicator of um, intent. They should probably be on a separate campaign to someone that's just looked at your contact us page or your services page. Um, has someone clicked on and clicked and opened every single email that you've ever opened ever? Um, and you know they they probably deserve a, a a call specifically from you guys. You know, yeah. unless again there are things to, to worry. There are a lot a lot of um, website calling things give you false positives, so people's like spam filters and stuff will open every link that sent them to check if it's safe. So sometimes you need to you know not kid yourself that if someone's opened an email fifteen times in five minutes from you, that it's probably not a real real. Yeah, it needs to be realistic numbers, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, that's where you can work with you know lead scoring automations to make sure that these aren't false positives and that these people are actually showing interest um but then you know if people are um people are like consistently not opening your emails you want to understand why and you don't you don't really want to mess up your um you know your server status and your domain status because you know they you do get black marks against you if you're consistently sending out spam so really use that data and stuff to figure out if they're not if they're not opening emails is there a reason they're not opening it are your subject lines bad should are they just really not engaged have you got the wrong email address you should potentially take them off your automation list because you don't want to cause yourself harm on your domain um so these are things that i think you know the the, the other pitfalls as well are like you know just because something says it's automated doesn't mean it's automatic and actually these automations do require a lot of babysitting um you probably will need someone specifically focused on this because it's too much to ask you know an already overburdened marketing executive who um you know has to be an expert on multiple different technologies to also now learn this as well so i think if you want to do this well you need a specific automation expert yeah I totally agree because I think you know like everything like social media marketing or um yeah webinars videos there are intricacies to this that do require experience of understanding like when do you remove somebody from your mail list because you're right that can hurt your domain and your emails and lists and everything but we are all targeted to get more emails on a list so sometimes removing that feels like you're going backwards but actually you're not it's a positive that you have to clean that list because yeah if you're if someone's not opened it in six months or a year or whatever their timeline is then they weren't really a lead anyway so probably best just not to have them in those numbers anyway but um you've written a whole article on this which will be available on our knowledge hub on the website shortly and then yeah thank you so everyone so much for listening and we'll be back again with another podcast in the future thanks